When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross. Joining me as always is Josh Dooley, and we are back this week to preview the Maryland Terrapins, the next team on Ohio State schedule. Uh, before we get into that, Josh, how are you doing on this fine Monday evening? I'm hanging in there, man. Got a case of the Mondays, but I'm excited to talk about this game. I think it's going to be an interesting one, and uh, hopefully a more entertaining one than the Rutgers game. Although, you know, I, I guess... It was entertaining in its own right, if you're exclusively an Ohio State fan. Um, but yeah, this should be a good one, Gene. How you doing? I'm doing quite well, yeah. Kind of, you know, the, the Rutgers game was entertaining if you're, you're not a fan of Rutgers, and it was good to see some of Ohio State's players kind of ball out over there and the offense work as well as it did with the starters in there. But this week, the Ohio State gets a bit of a, an upgrade in competition. Not totally, not too much, but it is a team, I would say, that is, is significantly better in certain aspects of the game uh, than Rutgers, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, this was a game, Josh, that me and you had kind of been, I, I me more so probably than you, was a little worried about for Ohio State, just given how good Maryland's offense looked and their defense playing well, and just I thought they were going to give Ohio State a big test, especially, you know, back when Ohio State was struggling to contain Tulsa and their offense. But after what we saw from Maryland this past week, you know, we don't want to overreact to one game too much, but Iowa really just kicked the crap out of Maryland in pretty much all facets of the ball. Maryland did not play well on offense in any facets. And on top of that, Maryland... Uh, their top receiver, Dante Demas, in that game, who was leading the Big Ten in receiving yards, uh, suffered a pretty seemingly serious injury. He was carved off the field. I would be shocked if he's in there this week against Ohio State, let alone you know back at some point this season, maybe not until late. I don't know the extent of the injury. I don't know if they said, but it doesn't appear he'll play in this game. Tough blow for Maryland, but yeah, like I alluded to, this Maryland team I thought was a bit better than perhaps they are, and I think Iowa kind of exposed some of their flaws, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think that I think that Maryland will present a bigger challenge than Rutgers, but I'm a little less concerned after last week. And really for for two reasons, I think that Maryland was exposed a little bit. Their early slate was um, was pretty easy for all intents and purposes, and they went up against a buzzsaw in Iowa. And so I think that their defense was exposed more than their offense. I still think that they've got firepower on that side of the ball. But Ohio State's putting some things together. And if C.J. Stroud is going to play up to his ability, like we saw last week, then I think that if anything, we can win comfortably in a high scoring game. I guess I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit, but we'll get into that. I still think Maryland can put up some points, especially with the offense they run. 
but I'm happier with what we saw from our defense and CJ Stroud. So I still feel good about this game for sure. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, Ohio State was around a 15 and a half point favorite against Rutgers going into that game. And for this one, the the current line is sitting at Ohio State as a 21 point favorite. So nearly a full touchdown better against what I would say is a better team. So I think Vegas is starting to believe in Ohio State a little bit more, just as we all are with each passing week and with the way that, you know, the defense has sort of started to come around and the way that the offense is playing with a healthier CJ Stroud. So that's a little bit interesting to me. I thought, you know, I, I was kind of assuming the line be sitting around 18 but you know 21 their Ohio State's 3.3 touchdown favorite at home uh which you know kind of in coming into the year you'd, you'd at least expect against Maryland but with the way this Ohio State team has looked at times that may not have been so certain a few weeks ago but as we look here at this Maryland team uh they come to this game they're actually 23rd in total offense which is really good 23rd in all of college football averaging 470 yards per game uh they're 77th in rushing yards per game 13th in passing yards per game so a lot of their uh, attack has come through the air uh, you know as we would expect and then on defense 54th in total defense in the country allowing 345 yards per game and they're 71st in passing yards allowed 37th in rushing defense so their front seven has done a really good job this year containing the run uh their secondary hasn't been bad you know 71st doesn't look great on paper but I, I like a lot of these players in this Maryland secondary. So Josh, where do you, where would you like to start with this Maryland team? You want to start on the offense or start on the defense? Uh, you know, I, I think we talk about offense first because Talia Tagovailoa, I think is a talented quarterback and he's sort of the engine that makes this team go. Uh, you mentioned they're 13th in total passing offense right now. He's averaging over 300 yards per game and that's including the Iowa game. He only threw for about a buck 50 and five picks. Obviously it was not his best night, but I think he's good in that system. And I think that Maryland's offense could pose some trouble for Ohio state, Ohio state's defense in a sense that they, they spread you out and they love to throw the ball. They run a spread attack, um, a lot of motion, a lot of uh, kind of eye candy and, when Ohio State's defense was at its worst, we saw a lot of issues with assignment football and just sort of being in the right place at the right time and handling some of the misdirection thrown at them. So I, I think that the prolific, the prolific passing attack from Maryland is legit. I think that Iowa's defense is, is one of the best in the country, and they really put the clamps on them. But I still think two has got the talent, like I said, throwing for over 300 yards per game and they've got some receivers, even with Dante Demas hurt, they've got former Ohio state recruit, Rakeem Jarrett. He's their second leading receiver. He's a weapon on the outside. So I think they can get it done with a lot of different guys and Ohio state secondary. If I had to guess, we'll have to play their best game of the season this, uh, this coming Saturday and I think that the linebackers are going to have to be involved too, especially in the passing game. They're going to have to be in the right places at the right time, sticking to their assignments because Maryland doesn't run the ball a lot. They run it efficiently. Uh, Tayon Fleet Davis averages about seven yards a pop. So they're capable of the big plays through the running game, but it's not where their, their bread is buttered. So I expect a lot of passing, and our, I think that our Ohio State secondary is going to have to really stand on its head and uh, produce some plays, hopefully some turnovers against this Maryland team. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, this Maryland team definitely passes the ball more than anyone Ohio State has seen yet this year. They probably have the best passing attack of anyone they've seen this year outside of, you know, I would say maybe Oregon, but Oregon was a much more 
balanced attack than this Maryland team is. You know, as you touched on, Talia Tagovailoa is having a really good year. You know, outside, I guess, that one blip against Iowa, uh, he's thrown for nearly 1,500 yards. He's got 12 touchdowns and six picks. Obviously, five of those came against Iowa. Uh, you know, prior to that game, he had only thrown one pick. Uh, he's not much of a scrambler. He's kind of, you know, very much like his brother. He is very athletic, but he doesn't tend to beat you with his legs. He's only run for 57 yards on 22 carries this year. So he can get out of the pocket and hurt you a little bit, but that's not his his style of play. He wants to throw the ball, and he's got a very good arm. Uh, and yeah, as you touched on, this is a team that just simply doesn't seem to want to run the ball. Uh, Tyron Fleet Davis has has run very well, as you said, seven yards per carry, but he's got less carries on the year than Trayvon Henderson. And as we know, Trayvon Henderson didn't start the first couple of games and has only really played the first half of the last two. So that's not really what you want from your, your top rushing guy, especially when he's been so efficient. He only had three carries for 20 yards against Iowa, and he hasn't had a 100-yard game since their season opener against West Virginia. So they they're they're an air raid team for sure. And, you know, as we said, losing Dante Dimas is tough, but Rakeem Jarrett is a former five-star. He's in his second year there. He's got nearly 300 yards and four touchdowns on the year. Uh, Jay Sean Jones is, has been their number three guy. He's also got over 200 yards on the season. So they're, they're still going to be more than okay with those guys and a couple other playmakers they have on offense, but it does really hurt to lose Dimas. I, I would have liked to see him play. I would have liked to see Ohio State's secondary go up against a very good receiver core at Maryland, and they still do have that, but, you know, missing their top guys is tough and not what you want to see. Even though you know it's good for Ohio State in a way, but you never want to see you know you always want to play the opposition when they're at their best to see just how good your team is. Uh, and then just to touch on the offensive line a little bit, there they're pretty experienced and they're, they're having a really good year. Uh, they've allowed just six sacks in total this season, which is tied for 15th in the FBS. It's actually one less than OSU is allowed. Uh, they're headed by 2021 All Big Ten honorable mention Jalen Duncan, and so the offense is is efficient. They they pass the ball well. Uh, and it's going to be a good test for this Ohio State defense. Where obviously, I think we'll see a lot of Denzel Burke and Rakeem Jarrett matched up one on one. It'll be interesting to see how how healthy Cameron Brown is. They obviously have seven banks who's playing a little bit more. Cam Martinez has earned an increased role in that secondary. And then you know the safeties, Bryson Shaw, Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams. It'll be interesting to see how they throw those guys out there against a, an attack like this. Like you said, Ohio State hasn't really you know faced a team that passes the ball like this. This is you know their their go to in the offense is passing the football, and they like to take shots downfield, and they like to you know spread around. Which for an Ohio State defense that you know wants to get these stops. This is a good team to try to rack up some turnovers against because obviously if you're passing more than you're running, you're more likely to some turnovers. But to this point, other than the Iowa game, they've been pretty good at limiting those. And, you know, I do really like this Maryland offense. They're ranked pretty highly in college football for a reason. And I do think it'll be, you know, as as each game has gone on, it's kind of been a more and more better test for this Ohio State defense. I think it's a good progression for this team going from a Rutgers team that was good on defense but not very good on offense to a Maryland team that's better on both sides of the ball, but especially so on offense. And then next week they have an Indiana team that's even better on, I would say, both sides of the ball. You know, maybe they haven't looked so so much there, but they, they've got, I think, better players than this Maryland team does. But that being said, I think, you know, the progression of games is good for Ohio State. It's another step up in competition. We'll learn even more about this Matt Barnes-led defense, which to this point through two games has looked way better than it did in the first couple games. And I know... The opposition wasn't quite so good, but it certainly has, you know, just on just with your eyes watching the players play and watching what they're doing out there, it certainly seemed like they have a much better idea of knowing what they're doing. And this will be another, you know, another step in the right direction if they could they could hold this Maryland team under, you know, under 20 points, under 28 points. I think that's another good step. Yeah, it's funny. I think coming into the season, if we had sort of known about this Maryland team a little bit and what we perceived uh, the Ohio State defense to be, we probably would have been even more concerned, right? Because Maryland is a team that airs it out. And coming into the season, 
we thought that Ohio State's secondary might be their biggest liability and we would be stout in the run game. And I think that the running defense is definitely coming along, but the secondary is Ohio State's strength right now. So I think it's in its current state, strength on strength when you look at Maryland's offense versus Ohio State's defense. So in that sense, I think it'll be an interesting test. But I also think that after this week, we'll really know sort of what Maryland is, right? We look at their first four games. Uh, They beat West Virginia week one. That was a close game. They put up 62 on Howard. Um, You know, FCS school, you kind of throw that one out the window. And then 20 points against Illinois. Illinois is certainly nothing to write home about. 37 against Kent State and only 14 against Iowa. So did they just have a bad game against Iowa? Or are they more like the team that we saw against another Big Ten team like Illinois, where they're going to struggle to put up 28, 35, 42 points on anybody, especially Ohio State's defense, hopefully improving. I I, I hope that we see the Maryland that sort of played against Illinois. It was a 20 to 17 game. It was close throughout. If Ohio State can limit to Talia's effectiveness, and really get them off the field, then I think Ohio State's offense should have its way against a Maryland defense, which, again, looks good on paper, but you have to take into account their, uh, their strength of schedule and the opponents that they've faced. So if anything, I'm more interested in which Maryland shows up. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. And I'm actually looking at this you know, this uh, Maryland-Illinois game, and I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how they only scored 20 points because just looking at the stats, I guess they had a couple of fumbles, but, I mean, Talia threw the ball 43 times, 350 yards and a touchdown. I mean, they they average about five yards per carry on the ground. Uh, you know, all of their, their big three and receivers all had over 70 yards receiving. So they had, I mean, the offensive numbers you would think would have led to more points. I guess there was a couple fumbles in there, but, like, they had almost 500 yards of total offense. The fact that they only scored 20 against Illinois is a bit odd. I guess they just, you know, maybe their goal, their uh, red zone offensive play calling was suspect. I, didn't, I can't say I watched the Maryland-Illinois game, so can't give you the insight on that one. But yeah, it certainly is interesting to look at the guys they've played and, you know, how they fared against some of the tougher competition they faced. Really the only, you know, the only big power five schools they played have been West Virginia and Illinois, and they won both of those by less than a touchdown. And then obviously the, you know, the blowout to the hands of Iowa. So it is kind of a, a tale of two teams here where they've blown out the teams they're supposed to, and then they haven't played quite as well against some of the better teams. So it will be yeah, interesting. Yeah, that Iowa game, Gene, I, I watched uh, the beginning of it, tried to watch the first half until it turned into a blowout. I think what's going to be important for Ohio State's defense is to create pressure. Iowa made Talia really uncomfortable um, and forced a couple of his interceptions. Some were just really poor decisions and bad throws, but – he was not comfortable in the pocket throughout. So if Zach Harrison and JT Tui Malau and Haskell Garrett and those guys can create pressure, I think Ohio State will be in a much better position, which sounds sort of obvious, but I think that's going to be necessary. And I think they can sell out a little bit. They, they can't ignore the run, but I think priority one should be creating havoc and trying to get uh, Talia Tagovailoa off base and kind of off center and off his spot to force him to 
maybe throw give us some turnovers like he did against Iowa last Friday night. Yeah, well, luckily, as we all know, Ohio State's biggest strength on defense this year has been rushing the passer. It's certainly nothing would would be wrong with that part of the game. But yeah, I would I'm going to be interested to see actually how kind of Ohio State rolls out their defensive line in this game. Tyreek Smith has been officially you know listed as out the last two games, and I would imagine that J.C. Tweemalau will will remain the starter even when he comes back. But I would like to see him out there. I would like to see uh, more of Tyleek Williams, as you kind of talked on last week. I don't really know why he's not officially starting yet. I wouldn't be surprised if he is in this game alongside Haskell Garrett. So I will be interested to see who Ohio State rolls out there on defense, along the defensive line especially. I wouldn't be surprised to see more Jack Sawyer in this game as well because I think they trust him as more of a a pure pass rusher, maybe not so as much in the run game as a run stopper because he's a little bit of a smaller dude. But, you know, against a team... Do you think we see the Rushman package? I mean, I've been hearing about it, but... Yeah, you know, because you you sort of talked about it and we've talked about Tyleek Williams and how good he's looked. And I've kind of, uh, you know, I I banged on the, uh, the rest of the interior line a little bit. I haven't been... Super impressed with what I've seen from Teron Vincent, Antoine, uh, Antoine uh, Jackson, and Jerron Cage, guys like that. So I, I wonder with Maryland's prolific passing attack and wanting to create some pressure, if we maybe see the Rushman package unveiled for the first time, you know, maybe JT slides inside and he and Jack Sawyer are out there together. I think that Tyleek Williams would be a huge asset to have in this game. We've seen that he is more of the explosive pass rushing defensive tackle. So I think that we would be well served to get him on the field early and often, as opposed to later in the game. I think he could really do some things up front. Yeah. The problem this year with Ohio state deploying any sort of rushman package is that in years past, you know, the rushman package entailed having four defensive ends on the field at once and this year, Ohio State's best pass rush has come from its defensive tackles. So, like, Tyreek mm-hmm. Williams and Haskell Garrett have probably been their best pass rushers to this point. So to take them off the field in favor of defensive ends who haven't really proven all that much this year, I don't think it works out. So a rushman package for Ohio State this yeah, year see, might look something like, you know, having Zach Harrison, Tyreek Williams, and like the, the defensive line they have starting, maybe you replace Zach Harrison with Jack Sawyer, and that's your rushman package because Zach Harrison... Has, certainly hasn't impressed me as a pass rusher this year. I think he's been good in the run-stopping game. He's nice and long, and like he, he sets a good edge. But he hasn't really impressed me rushing the passer, so maybe the rushman package is simply replacing him with a guy like Jack Sawyer and having both him and Tuimaloa on the field at once. But I don't know if a true rushman package of defensive ends is a good idea for this Ohio State team because their best pass rushers have been their tackles. Yeah, I, I guess a modified rushman package is what I'd like to see or what we perceive to be the best quote-unquote Rushman package, which I think is Tyleek Williams included. So, yes, he's not a defensive end, so maybe I misspoke a little bit, but do we just get our four best pass rushers out there, I guess would be a a better question, as opposed to sticking with a Teron Vincent or an Antoine Jackson or something like that. I also think what Ohio State did a good job of, at least showed a little bit against Rutgers, is calling up more blitzes and, and you know disguising coverage yeah. is a little bit better. So I think that could play a big role in this as well. You know, none of their blitzes really got home against Rutgers, but they are you know starting to send some pressure. I think they realize that you know sometimes when they have that front four out there, it isn't going to be enough. You know, especially with how guys have been playing early in the year. So to send a blitz here and there, they've got some really quick linebackers out there they could send. 
I know. I thought they got okay pressure against Rutgers. They obviously didn't have any sacks, or maybe they had one late, I think. But I, I thought they they did a pretty good job of forcing the ball out of Noah Vidral's hands early. So doing that against you know Talia will obviously be a good idea as well. You know, you'd like to see them get a couple more sacks in this game. We've been asking for that pretty much every week, besides Akron, when they had pretty much all of their sacks for the season in that game. But yeah, getting pressure in this game will be. Uh, very, very important against a team that likes to pass it this much. And, you know, Tully is a very smart quarterback. He's a guy that if you give him time, he will beat you. So, you know, it, you got to help out your young corners out there. When your top corner, you know, Denzel Burke has been tremendous, but he is, at the end of the day, he is a true freshman. And if you leave him out there on an island with a five-star sophomore like Rakeem Jarrett, there's going to be some times where he gets beat. So you can't allow that to happen too often and let them beat you like that because they're, you're giving Tully too much time to throw. So I think that, you know, Ohio State's defensive line, versus Maryland's offensive line is probably a big matchup to watch in this game in terms of how the, the final outcome looks. Yeah, and, and an extension of that front six or that front seven, you touched on the linebackers a little bit. We're recording before Ryan Day's press conference, so to my knowledge, I don't think we know exactly what's going on with Cody Simon, but I, it, as long as he's healthy, I, I think that this has to be a big Cody Simon game, and it was last week, obviously, but with the amount of uh, amount of passing that Maryland deploys in their offense, I, I think that we could be in a little bit of trouble if we're forced to rely on a Tommy Eichenberg. You know, he did have an interception last week on a sort of a batted ball or a hit arm, but his strength is definitely not playing in space and keeping up with those quicker guys. So hopefully we find out tomorrow that Cody Simon is available Otherwise, that uh, that middle of the field may get exposed a little bit more than we'd like to see it. Yeah, I would be surprised if Cody Simon is, you know, is pretty like significantly hurt. I think there's a lot like a, a Trayvon Henderson situation. Uh, I saw on Twitter earlier today, someone asked Austin Ward of Letterman Row, you know, any news on the Cody Simon injury? And he said, uh, no indication at this point that's anything serious. Buckeyes aired on the side of caution with the game out of hand. So I, I guess that's the vibe. I don't know if that's, you know, something from the coaches that he's heard or just something that, you know, the vibe around the program. But I would be surprised if it's anything serious. I think, you know, in a game like that against Rutgers, you want to keep your best players healthy. And he's certainly been Ohio State's best linebacker to this point. So I think it was more of a precautionary thing. But like you, like you said, we haven't heard Ryan Day speak yet this week. We don't really know for sure. I'm sure somebody will ask about it uh, on Tuesday. So you'll probably, by the time this comes out, you will know probably more than us at this point. But that being said, we can flip over to the other side of the ball now and look a little bit at this Maryland defense who just have a cornucopia of names that I am going to butcher. But uh, to start out, their secondary was good. Their Maryland's defense last year was really, really bad, but their secondary was pretty good, you know, on top of the other issues they had up front. But uh, that, that good secondary has continued on to what has been overall a better defense this year. And I, the star of their defense is probably safety Nick Cross. Uh, he's a former All Big Ten honorable mention, and he's just one of those guys in the in the back end of a defense that seemed to have a nose for the ball and is always around making plays whenever you need him. Uh, he's second on the team in tackles so far this year. He's tied for the team lead with a pair of interceptions, and also has a forced fumble. Their other safety, Jordan Mosley, uh, leads the team in tackles with 24. Uh, they've got a couple experienced corners, good corners in Jacorian Bennett and Terheeb Still. Uh, Jacorian uh, Bennett has their other two picks, so they have four total between him and Cross. Uh, Bennett leads the team with five pass breakups. Uh, still is third in tackles, second with three pass breakups. Also has two tackles for loss and a sack. So he does a little bit of everything. He was a freshman All-American in 2020. So they've got a pretty strong secondary, which will be a good test for C.J. Stroud and this Ohio State passing attack. Uh, and then up front, Maryland's actually tied in the FBS, tied for eighth in the FBS with 18 total sacks. And uh, here's where the names start to come in here. Um, defensive end Durrell, I'm going to say Nkami. Uh, he's back after missing 2020 with a leg injury. 
Uh, he's tied for the team lead in sacks with three. He is tied with Sam Okoyanu for the team lead in sacks. I'm sorry to Sam that I probably butchered your last name, but there's about 17 O's in it. So my apologies. Uh, but yeah, they rush the quarterback with a number of guys. They send a bunch of different looks at you. It's kind of a defense by committee kind of thing. They don't have like a, a Chase Young equivalent where it's one guy really racking it up. They have a bunch of guys on this team with three sacks, two sacks, one sack here and there. And then... You know, in the middle of the defensive linebacker core, uh, they're very young and talent, but uh, they're also very—they've been impressive. I think I've like—I've watched a little bit of them just coming into this preview. Uh, they're, they're pretty talented. They're pretty athletic. That's uh, a lot of it's young guys out there. Freshman Brandon Jennings and freshman Demian Robinson uh, have both made a huge impact, as well as sophomore Ruben Hippolyte. Uh, those are Hippolyte and Jennings are probably the top two guys out there for that linebacker core. But yeah, this is a Maryland defense that across the board is pretty solid. And you know, we saw last week. What C.J. Stroud could do when healthy against the Rutgers defense that was, you know, ranked pretty highly coming into that game, and he carved him up real good. So we'll see what he could do against a Maryland defense that's a little stronger in the secondary, I would say, than Rutgers was. But um, yeah, overall, a good defense and one that will, you know, will try to make Ohio State work for it. You know, I, I first, first and foremost, I think you did well with the names, and if you butchered good, a couple. Better you than me, and I, I, I remained quiet for a reason, um, but I am less concerned with Maryland's defense after what we saw against Iowa. I think that Iowa was able to move the ball pretty freely. You know, granted, uh, some of their offense and some of their scoring was a result of turnovers and short fields and things like that, but again, you look at the first four opponents – Maryland shut out Howard. That goes a long way towards keeping your points per game allowed down. Um, they played an Illinois offense, which is far from explosive, nowhere near the, the sort of realm and potential that we've seen from Ohio State's offense, especially with a healthy C.J. Stroud. So I, I think that Ohio State should be able to move the ball pretty well because I think that they have a better offense than Iowa. And, uh, you know, I was quarterback Petrus. I've not been overly impressed with him, but he looked really good against Maryland. He wasn't uh, he wasn't pressured a whole lot and he was accurate. He threw no picks. He threw for 259 yards and three touchdowns on 21 of 30 passing. So I, I guess at the end of the day, I think that C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback than Maryland has faced so far this year. And I think that. You know, they held Tyler Goodson of Iowa to 66 yards. I, I think Travion Henderson is probably more talented, but Goodson's a hell of a running back, and he's been doing it for a while at Iowa. So I guess I was a little bit more um, impressed with their run defense than I thought I would be. But I think Ohio State is, has everything clicking right now, and I think they've got all the guys. You mentioned Maryland's secondary, his – has played pretty has played pretty well this year, but again, they've not gone up against a Chris Olave and a Garrett Wilson and a Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I think they will be able to move the ball as long as we're able to protect CJ Stroud. For me, this is another strength on strength thing in the sense that Maryland can get after the quarterback. They've got 18 sacks. Um, you mentioned one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country, with their sack numbers. So. They're going up against an Ohio State offensive line, which has played really, really well this year. And they've got a ton of experience. And those guys are gelling more and more each week. So I think as long as those guys do their job, which I expect them to do, 
I don't have a lot of concerns about Ohio State's offense. Obviously, you want to avoid turnovers. We haven't had a big turnover game, but that's my only real concern is if we turn the ball over and give Maryland's, you know, kind of fast moving and high paced offense the ball more, you know, maybe that creates a little bit more of an interesting dynamic. But if Travion Henderson's healthy and he's running well, I have more confidence in CJ now and I have all the confidence in the world in our receivers if they protect him and they open up some holes in the running game, the offensive line I'm speaking of, I, I think Ohio State's offense is going to be just fine in this game. Yeah, I wrote about Iowa a little bit in today's uh, edition of Your Nuts, today being Monday. Uh, Iowa's offense ranks 118th out of 130 teams in the country, so their their offense is not good. So you're you're quite correct in saying that you know Spencer Petras hasn't exactly impressed you, and that Iowa's offense isn't. Uh, isn't explosive by any means, but yeah, like they did. I, I would say a lot of that fifty-one came from short fields, defensive scores, all that kind of stuff. They their defense really helped out their offense tremendously in that game. So I wouldn't take a ton from you know Iowa dropping fifty-one on them. I don't think that's very indicative of how their offense played, certainly. But I do have a fun note here on this Ohio State offense, which is not hundred uh, eighteenth in the country. It is actually number two in the country in total offense with five hundred fifty-three point four yards per game, which is one yard shy of Pitt, surprisingly, as the number one team in the country. Uh, they're the number four score, number four in the country in scoring offense at 45 points per game. And a, a fun note here, per our per uh, LGLH alum Colton Denning, uh, the last team to average over eight yards per play in a season was 2018 Oklahoma. Ohio State is currently averaging 8.57 yards per play, which is by far the top in FBS. Uh, the only other school in the country over eight yards per play is Coastal Carolina at 8.38, and no other team in the country is over eight yards per play. So this this Ohio State offense, even though it hasn't been clicking on all cylinders until really the last couple of games they're putting up some crazy offensive numbers and when the starters are in there this team does seem to look unstoppable which is what we expected coming into the season I had said earlier in the year I didn't think there was a team that could hold Ohio State under 40 points and while you know the Oregon game is obviously proven that to be false I think the rest of the year you're looking pretty good for that prediction if the team keeps moving how they do C.J. Stroud really looked to be in a groove last week. We didn't see any of those early overthrows. He seemed to really, it seems to that he's a little healthier. He looked to, like he looked more capable of running it when he had to, even though he didn't do it a ton. He looked like he was willing to do it if he had to. His arm looked good. He made some really, really nice throws, some of the best we've seen in his young Ohio State career. I'm hoping to see a lot more of Trayvon Henderson in this game than the eight carries he got against Rutgers, but obviously that was based on the situation. And I guess if we see Trayvon Henderson only play a half of football in this game, it's a pretty good sign for Ohio State. So I'm not going to beg for him to play four quarters if it's another blowout here, but I'd like to see more of him. You know, we started last week about on the the Henderson hype train, so I'd uh, the Henderson Heisman hype train. So I'd like to get that going more and get this guy involved a little bit more as we move forward. And then you know, obviously Chris Olave, Gary Wilson, and this this treasure trove of wide receivers that Brian Hartline has put together will be the best test this uh, Maryland defense has seen all year. So I think yeah, it's a lot of good points. The Maryland hasn't exactly faced an offense quite like Ohio State's just yet. You know, they played a Big Twelve team, but the Big Twelve team they played was. West Virginia, which is much more of a, a like a tradition. West Virginia plays more like a Big Ten team than a Big Twelve team does. They're not exactly in an air raid type of offense. So, this is the, definitely the best quarterback they've seen. Definitely the best offense they've seen thus far. And you know, having seen what Ohio State did to Rutgers last week, Ohio State made that Rutgers team look like the Rutgers teams of old. And this Rutgers team is certainly better than they, they used to be. And that defense is good. So I was impressed by that. I, I hope that continues moving forward. I think the play calling was excellent. I hope they continue to run with that game plan where they let their 
best players make plays. They don't try to, you know, just air it out right out of the gate and go deep on the first couple of plays to try to, you know, throw it deep to Chris Olave over the top for no reason. Like, let these guys catch it underneath. Let them make plays. Give the ball to Trayvon Henderson. Get the play action going. Get the run game going. And Ohio State should be able to move the ball no problem, even against a defense with really good numbers like Maryland's has. Yeah, a couple of points there, Gene. You mentioned the eight and a half yards per play and the the gripes and complaints that Ohio State fans have had. I think it just kind of speaks to how spoiled we've been and the standard that we have, whether that's fair or not, that we just expect QE1 to roll out there. And regardless of the weapons around him, we're going to put up 50 a game and 500 yards a game and things like that. And it's just... It, it's going to take time. It has taken time, um, but they look really good. And my second point is we talked about not reading too much into one game. I hope that I'm not doing that with a false sense of like confidence and bravado due to the fact that um, CJ Stroud looked so good against Rutgers um, because previous to that, he, he had his struggles and he made some mistakes. So I guess I'm just, as much as I say, don't read into Iowa kind of taking Maryland out to the shed. Uh, I, I need to remind myself to do the same thing with Ohio State's performance against Rutgers, but I, I still do have a good feeling. And I think if things get hairy, if things get a little bit squirrely, my my greater confidence stems from what we've seen from Travion Henderson. You know, if CJ struggles or you know he gets off to another slow start. I think that we've got a bona fide stud running back, which we sort of thought that we might coming into the season. It just took time for him to to win that position and really take over. But I think worst case scenario, if the passing game isn't clicking the way that we saw it do last week, we can rely on that running game. And maybe this is the, the first opportunity for Travion Henderson to get 25 carries or 30 carries or whatever it takes. So. Um, you know, again, I, I do feel good about this, but at the end of the day, I think it might be a little more high scoring than, um, that Rutgers game for sure. I think Maryland is much more capable and I just think Ohio state's offense will need to play at least near their ability or up to their ability, um, based on what we saw last week. Yeah, I would I would certainly be impressed if Ohio State held this Maryland team to 13 points like they did to Rutgers. Um, that would be a pretty uh, significant increase in this defense from what we've seen earlier in the year. And against a team that actually knows how to pass the ball way more than Rutgers does, that would be very impressive to me. I don't see anything like that happening, but I also don't think that Maryland's going to score like 45 points in this game. But, you know, uh, baby steps for this defense. I'm not expecting shutouts at this point in the year, but a uh, little, little here and there it always helps. Um, and yeah, your point to Trayvon Henderson, we've seen this man play five college football games and I trust him with my life at this point. Like he is just, <laughs> he is so good at what he does. Like every time he touches the ball, it feels like it can end up in a touchdown. And yeah, I, you know, it's crazy that on a roster with as much talent as Ohio state has and experience as they have with guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, that like, if it's a, a do or die situation, the guy I trust with the ball right now more than anyone is probably Travion Henderson. And that's saying a lot, you know, this kid, he came in with a lot of hype, five-star running back, one of the top running backs in the country, if not the top running back, depending on which recruiting service you looked at. And he's fully lived up to the bill and more. He's been everything we expected him to be right out of the gate. You know, we thought maybe it would take some time for him to get adjusted to his offense, but he's very quickly become the starter. 
I don't quite know what's up with Mayan Williams. He didn't play last game. He was out with a undisclosed injury. We'll see if he's back this week as you know the second guy. We like Mayan Williams here as well. Uh, but Trayvon Henderson is just a different kind of dude that you don't get to watch all that often. So for Ohio State to have a guy like that on an offense that already had a ton of playmakers on it is certainly uh, a huge boost for this team. And and you know he's a lot of fun to watch, and we'll continue to love watching him the rest of this this season. So as we kind of wind down here on our preview. I hadn't really thought about it yet, Josh, before I'm going to ask you this question, put you on the spot, but do you have a score prediction for this game? Yeah, and I think that right now Ohio State's a 21-point favorite. Excuse me. I think that they actually... I think they fail to cover the spread. Now, I I, I don't think it's going to be a one-possession game, but if I had to throw a number out there, I am going to say... 45 to 27. I think that um, we forced Maryland to settle for a field goal uh, or a couple of field goals, but I think that they move the ball. And so I think, you know, 27 points is five scores given up. I think that that's a fair expectation. And I do think that we cross the 40 barrier on offense, but um, that's an 18 point victory. So I'm going to go with 45, 27. Man, I like that prediction a lot. That's probably close to what I would say. Uh, I think that feels about right. You know, somewhere around the twenty to twenty-five point range for for Maryland feels right for me. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue, even though I've seen it already proven wrong. I'm gonna continue to pick Ohio State to score over forty in every game they play, even against a defense like Maryland. So I'll I'll go. I'll, I will say I'm gonna go forty-five. Uh, I don't want to say 45-24 because it's kind of boring, but I'll, I'll go 45-24. I'll say they cover by, you know, they they actually push on the spread at 21. Uh, yeah, Maryland uh, will score some points. I think they maybe get a touchdown late in garbage time, kind of like we saw Rutgers do uh, to make it a little bit closer than it looks. But I think, you know, I, I may be drinking too much of the Ohio State Kool-Aid after a good game against Rutgers, but... Ohio State will be back home. I think this team is getting more and more confident with each each week, which is almost as important as anything. I think they were just they look this team looked like it had no swagger or anything after those first couple of games where the defense was playing so bad. And in that game against Rutgers, they actually looked like they were like having fun playing football and they were enjoying it. And I think that goes a long way in this team playing well when everyone's feeling it and feeling good. And so you have a guy like CJ Stroud coming off his best game yet with a lot of confidence. You know, Chris Olave and Gary Wilson both got involved. They're confident. You got Jeremy Rucker involved as well. And then the defense overall playing well. Those guys are are liking it. And everyone everyone seems like they're contributing when they get in the game. So I think all of it's slowly coming together for Ohio State. I'm not ready to call this team a national title contender just yet, but I think they're uh, they're on the right path. They're taking the right steps each week, and that's all we could really ask for at this point in the season. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm assuming it'll be another Ohio State win. I'm sure there'll be some recruits on campus to watch this one with it being another home game. I'm pretty sure it's Ohio State's homecoming, so that'll be some some senior senior day activities and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, you know, hopefully another Buckeye win, and uh, that's that's what I have. Yeah, and Gene, I'll go Al Roker on you a little bit. Um, we're, we've been fortunate here in Columbus, blessed by good weather and warm weather uh, well into October. Right now, the weekend looks good. So we know that or we anticipate some uh, some rough weather games at some point during the year. But the way it looks right now, we shouldn't be affected by any of that. You know, I saw the uh, I watched a lot of the. Tampa Bay, New England game last night. And uh, that was a bit of a slugfest in rainy weather. Um, Just not a whole lot going on through the air, through the passing game. But Ohio State looks like they're going to be, you know, 75, 85 degrees and sunny. So no worries there as far as uh, as far as moving the ball in a slop fest. Yeah, climate change has done well to help Ohio State's uh, home playing conditions. So we, we do love that. 
Other news and notes, I guess, for this weekend. Uh, not as good of a slate, at least on paper, as it was last week. And there was a bunch of ranked matchups. I'd say the two biggest matchups coming up this weekend are uh, Ohio's, uh, Oklahoma-Texas, which, you know, is the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma's going to Texas. I would not be surprised if Oklahoma lost this game. I feel like they've been flirting with death for too long. Gene, I'm going to do you one better. Um, I haven't been overly impressed with Texas, but I think they beat Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is a fraud. I hope that I don't have to eat my words, but they have been in a number of close games um, against some teams that they really shouldn't have. So I think Texas actually wins that one. Yeah, I mean, I as someone who picked Oklahoma to win the national title in the preseason, I also think Oklahoma's a fraud. They haven't really played well in any game they've played thus far. I don't think Spencer Rattler has been overly impressive. I think Bijan Robinson is probably the best player on the field in this game, and he plays for Texas. So Oklahoma's a three-point a favorite. Beast. Yeah, he's very, very good. He was a guy that you know nearly committed to Ohio State, and it would have you know he's a very Travion Henderson-esque running back. So he's a good player. I think he's the best player on the field, and I do think it would not be surprising me at all if Texas wins that game. I may sprinkle some money on the Longhorns. We'll see what happens this weekend. But the bigger game of importance, I would say, to Ohio State fans is the Penn State-Iowa game, as we all predicted coming into the season, number three Iowa versus number four Penn State uh, for the best team in the Big Ten East. Or not Big Ten East-wise in the West, but for the top team in rankings-wise in the Big Ten at this point in the season. Uh, I'm interested in this game a lot. I think we'll learn a lot about these two teams. You know, Penn State's looked very good. Iowa obviously has had some impressive wins both coming into this game undefeated. Iowa is a two-point favorite at home. We know how hard it is to play in Kinnick. Just ask the Buckeyes uh, in 2018, but or 2017 that was. But yeah, I, this is a very interesting game. I don't really know what to think of either team just yet because much like Maryland, neither team has really played anybody all that impressive. I know Penn State has the win over Wisconsin, but Wisconsin looks like they're just tragically awful this year, so I don't take much from that. Uh, Iowa had beat Iowa State early in the year, but even they don't look uh, as good as we once thought. So two teams with a lot of hype. They're very high in the rankings, and it's you know we haven't really seen either of them play a team with at the same caliber they're going to now. And I think we will. This is going to be big for the Big Ten standings moving forward. This one's a tough one for me. I think that um, I think that Kirk Ferentz has the best job security in the country outside of maybe Nick Saban. I think that Kirk Ferentz um, gets his guys up every couple of years to make a run at 10 and two or 11 and one. And then they kind of fall by the wayside during the rest. So I, I never really believe in Iowa until I see it, but they look good this year. But um, do you believe in Sean Clifford is the question. I've never believed in Sean Clifford since he was a quarterback in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. He was, uh, I think he was maybe a St. X guy. I know he's from uh, that part of Ohio. No, never been impressed or um, kind of on the Sean Clifford hype train or maybe like the hype wagon or hype tricycle, whatever it is with him. But I I guess with this one, I'm just going to go home team. I think Iowa plays really well at home. They, they look really good this year. That defense is stout. Um, I would put them up against any defense in the country, regardless of metrics. You know, I don't know if Iowa is in the top two or three of one thing or the other, but I just know in the limited uh, opportunity I've had to really watch them, I did watch that Maryland game and they were just wreaking havoc. I will say that the home team wins. I think it'll be a close one. You know, the spreads too. Uh, I hate spreads of less than three. That kind of uh, always throws me off, so I don't know what to predict as far as uh, the odds go there. But give me home team by default. I would not be surprised either way. 
Yeah, I am certainly not going to bet on this game, but I will probably watch it because, you know, like I said, it's a very much of interest to Ohio State and their future endeavors as they will definitely play Penn State and potentially play Iowa if they advance to the Big Ten title game because I think Iowa is very clearly the big best team in the Big Ten West. Um, other just interesting games to watch out for this week. Uh, Coastal Carolina plays on Thursday. I am This is a pro Coastal Carolina podcast. I love watching the Chanticleers play. Their offense is a lot of fun. Uh, they're only, do they have the mullets this year? Yes, they do. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, Grayson McCall is fantastic at quarterback. They're only 19-point favorites against a 1-4 Arkansas State team. I'll tell you right now, I will be betting them because I'm addicted to betting on Coastal Carolina. Uh, other than that, Michigan State goes to Rutgers. Michigan State 5-point favorites. That could be interesting. Michigan State undefeated, and Rutgers coming off that tough loss to Ohio State and looking to bounce back. Uh, Georgia plays out Auburn. Don't think there's much to talk about there. Georgia has one of the best defenses I've ever seen in college football, and Auburn has Bo Nix, so that's enough for me. Uh, Michigan plays at Nebraska. Michigan only a three-point favorite in this game, Josh. I don't know what to think of that. I don't I don't know what Vegas seems to think of that. Nebraska did just kick the crap out of Northwestern, but Northwestern is Northwestern this year. Michigan undefeated. That is an interesting line to me. Yeah, the, I think that um, I think Michigan could have its hands full. I will continue to say... Nebraska is back until they're back because I had a lot of faith in Scott Frost coming to the big 10 and uh, look, you know, he's a national championship winning coach, whether they were given a trophy or not. And his team at least looks better for whatever that's worth. Um, Give me, you know, I didn't, I know you didn't ask for a prediction. Give me Nebraska and an upset. Why not? I won't be upset if Michigan wins. I'd like to, um, you know, face a top five or top 10 team at the end of the year, but let's get nuts. You know, college football has been anything but ordinary this year. We've seen a ton of upsets. We've seen teams uh, rise and fall at a breakneck pace. So I'll go out on a limb. Give me Nebraska. Give me the Cornhuskers and Scott Frost in that one. God, it would be so funny for the Michigan hype train to be in, in full effect just to lose to Scott Frost in early October. I mean, there's there's simply nothing more Michigan than losing that game, which I almost I want to bet on Nebraska, but it's almost too obvious that Michigan loses that game that for if me to bet on. If it did happen though, Gene, if Nebraska were to pull off the upset, then I think that we would hear that Nebraska is fully back as in uh, Tom Osborne, Tommy Frazier, Lawrence Phillips back. We would never hear the end of it. Oh, it, it's two insufferable fan bases. So I, I wish that neither of these teams could win this game. Uh, not to say that Ohio State's fan base is, is the best at all times. You know, we have our moments. But, you know, Nebraska, after the, the crap they did last year, claiming they brought back college football and Michigan just always being Michigan and, and thinking they're good after a 5-0 start seemingly every year. Uh, it's a battle of just two titans of the industry in this one. Uh, honestly, two of the, you know, two historic programs in college football, for sure. Two teams with a lot of wins in the past that haven't exactly played well as of late but should be an interesting game and yeah I mean like I said this it's one of those weekends where there's not a lot of marquee matchups on the slate and those are usually the weekends where you get some of the best games because you're not expecting it so that Georgia yeah that Georgia Auburn game could be a rock fight that could be a three to nothing game um Georgia's up there with Iowa. Their defense is just, it's something to behold, but on a higher level, I mean, their athletes are far superior to the Iowa athletes, um, you know, for my money. So I'll probably tune into that game and I may not see a single touchdown scored, but um, after watching Bo Nix against LSU too, he's, he's entertaining as hell. So to see him go up against the, uh, the riddle, 
that is George's defense. That could be another interesting one. Yeah, Bo Nix is very entertaining if you're not a fan of the team he's playing for, but I can't imagine yes. it's a lot of fun to watch him if you're an Auburn fan because he is just it's so infuriating because he has plays where like there was that one obviously where he's scrambling all around in the backfield and then he evades all the tacklers, makes the throw, like a tremendous throw on the sideline. Like, you know he has that in there, but then like 90% of the time he's playing like he's Graham Mertz out there and I just don't, I don't know what to think about him. I don't like him as a quarterback. Like you said, he's fun to watch, but if he was Ohio State's quarterback, I'd be ripping my hair out on every play. So, and I just, you know, if I could switch my national championship pick, having seen the teams play, I would, I think I'd pick Georgia at this point. I think they're, Clearly the top team in the country. They have one of, I'm not even joking, they have one of the best college football defenses that I have ever seen. Uh, they're they're so, so good. Their athletes are tremendous. They're well coached. They know what they're doing. They're just, they're per, they are they play a perfect defense. They made Arkansas last week. They, they shut them out. They made Arkansas look like an unranked Arkansas. And that's a, I think that's a pretty good Arkansas team. So yeah, I think Georgia's really, really good. I can't imagine Auburn makes this close, but yeah, I mean, Bo Nix will be fun to watch, I guess. Yeah, we're sort of talking about the national landscape. So I, I want to put you on the spot to close it out. Who are your top four right now? Not in the rankings, but who are the four? If I had to pin you down and ask you right now, who are the four teams that you think that we're going to see in the CFP? Like four teams I think will be picked in the college football playoff, or I think the four best teams right now? Because it's a different answer. Either or. Either or. And then I can reply accordingly. All right. Well, I think, you know, George is going to be number one. I think pretty much, I, I think eventually they'll overtake Alabama and take that spot. Uh, I think Alabama will be too. Alabama's been good. They, you know, they've, they've been one of the other more consistent teams in college football, but they did have that game against Florida that worries me a little bit because that Florida team stinks out loud and they, they, you know, they came back into Alabama and maybe that was a bit of, you know, that was very Ohio State, Indiana-esque where they took a big lead and then just kind of didn't care in the second half. So maybe there was a little bit of that. Alabama, you know, just, just destroyed Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. So they're, they're very good. I think those are the clear top two teams in college football and then it gets a little bit more interesting after that, but give me the Cincinnati Bearcats at number three. I love Desmond Ritter. I love the Cincinnati team. Shout out to Luke Fickle. Those boys are rolling. They just, you know, they did what they wanted with Notre Dame, and the score was, I think, closer than the game looked if you watched it. I, that was the game I had on for the most part, and I think, you know, Cincinnati was really, really good going on the road. That's the biggest program win they've probably had ever um, going into Notre Dame and taking down the Fighting Irish. So give me Cincinnati in the playoffs. They've earned it. You know, this is two years in a row where this team has looked phenomenal. Didn't really get a real shot last year, but I think this year they've earned it and they will be in the college football playoff, especially with how the Pac-12 and the Big 12, the back Pac-12 and the Big 12, I think will play themselves out of it. So that opens up the door for a group of five team to make it. Uh, and the ACC as well. Clemson's dead. So the ACC is probably not going to have a team either. So that leaves you with probably two SEC teams, a Big 10 team, and then a group of five. So give me Cincinnati as a group of five. And then, you know, somebody has to win the Big Ten. So, you know, by default, give me Ohio State. Yeah, I can't really disagree. Just to keep it interesting, I'll say that it's going to be the three teams you mentioned and the winner of the Big Ten. You know, I've got all the faith in the world. In somebody Ryan has to Day. win. It. Like, they quite literally, someone has to host the Big Ten trophy. Somebody has to do it. Yeah, and I think that at worst, you're going to have a one-loss team that wins the Big Ten. I think that Oklahoma loses at some point. I don't think that Cincinnati does. So I think that those top three spots, as long as Fickle and his boys can hold on to it, I think the fourth one's going to go to the winner of the Big Ten, whether that's hopefully Ohio State, you know, knock on wood. I don't know if you can hear that or if Iowa runs the table and they can take down an Ohio State or, you know, hopefully we don't see it, but if they can take down a Penn State in a Big Ten championship game, I think that the uh, the Big Ten winner would be deserving of that third or fourth spot because, for my money, the Ohio the Big Ten is the best conference, top to bottom, 
in college football right now. So I think you you have to reward that. Yeah, and I think you know, literally the ACC has been virtually eliminated at this point with how bad Clemson is. And you know, I like Wake Forest in that in that conference, but I don't think they're good enough to quite make the college football playoff. Uh, Pac-12 is going to cannibalize itself as we saw with Oregon losing to Stanford this past weekend. So I don't know if Oregon will have enough juice the rest of the year to make it out of the Pac-12. But I guess we'll see. I think the only way the Big Ten would miss the playoff is if Oklahoma kind of figures it out and runs the table. Um, I don't know if they're capable of doing that, but if they did, I could see there being a scenario where the you know uh, undefeated Oklahoma Big 12 champion would make it over a one-loss Big Ten team, unless it's like an Ohio State team that you know just run like absolutely demolishes everyone on its path the rest of the way, kind of like a 2014 where they lost a game early when they weren't good yet, and then they figured out how to play good and and like got together the rest of the year. So. Yeah, I mean, if Ohio State handles business the rest of the way, uh, they'll have as good an argument as anyone to make the college football playoff. They'll have you know a couple ranked opponents coming up here between Penn State, Michigan, and then whoever they play in the Big Ten title game, which would be uh, probably Iowa for my money. But yeah, you know everything's in front of them. I, I think it'll be a fun year of college football. It'll be a couple different faces potentially than we usually see. Although you know I'm still saying that Alabama is going to make it and potentially Ohio State. But having Cincinnati in the playoff will be really cool if they could run the table. Uh, and then you know whoever whoever else runs that third seed, you know Alabama, Georgia. Cincinnati and Ohio State, I guess, for my four, but should be interesting. You know, it's funny that Clemson's unranked for the first time since, I think, 2014, so we love to see that. Uh, Dabo did say he would quit college football if players got paid, and it does seem like he has quit college football in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's really all I have for uh, anything else going on. You have anything else to add, Josh, before we get out of here? No, I guess my parting shot would be that this is the perfect year for an 18 playoff. I wish it were coming along a little bit sooner. Um, and we don't know sort of the, the ETA on that, but with everything that's gone on, this would be a great eight team season, but, um, the football has really been entertaining and impressive to watch. And I think that there are a ton of teams still in it. And most importantly, Ohio state is one of them. So I take solace in that and I'm looking forward to what they can do from here on out. Yeah, I think we've seen so far that like the the gaps between the top teams and the and the lower teams are not as as big as it has been in past years. You know, I think outside of Georgia, every team has at least one flaw or a couple of flaws they need to work on the rest of the season. So, should be entertaining football the rest of the way. We still got a lot of season left ahead of us. We're only 5 games in heading into week 6. So, hopefully another Ohio State win on the horizon as we get into more of this Big 10 play. This has been our Maryland preview. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. We'll try to be more active on there moving forward. It's been a little weird last couple of weeks with some of these games, but we'll get it going. We'll get it going just like Ohio State has been. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's, that's it. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff that every podcast tells you to do. Uh, we'll be back this weekend to recap whatever happens in that Maryland game. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and we will see you then. Go Bucks.